0: From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, it's Tony and Jenny Bruschi back with you again for another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, a show filled with your stories that have been written into us, called into us. We share them back here on the show and, of course, invite you to send in your stories every single week. Just go to our website at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and share your ghost story. Of course, share the show. That helps us grow, lets everybody know Know that we exist, and it helps us get more ghost stories, and helps us do a better show every single week. And be sure to press that subscribe button as well, so you don't miss any future episodes of our program. All right, on today's show, got uh, as usual a handful of some creepy letters. And uh, also, we have uh, a good call uh, on the line as well that uh, is probably going to freak you out just a little bit. Phone number, if you want to call in, is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you got about two minutes to leave your ghost story. So, uh, be, uh, what's a nice way of saying this?
1: Expedient.
0: Expedient? Is that... that I don't know how, how I would take that if someone said, would you please be expedient? I don't know. Expedient, prompt, get to the point. That's that's right. There I, you go. Get to the point. Or just call back five times. Uh, I wish there was a way to make that thing a little bit longer, but uh, unfortunately at this time there is not. If you've got a really good story, I may just call you back. Um, and of course, if you have a uh, an interesting idea for the show, an interesting topic, you can let us know as well uh, through the uh, website at really good Stories Online. All right, uh, call or story letter? What do you think we should start off with here today?
1: Let's start with a call.
0: Start with a call. All right, let's go to the phone lines from Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello.
2: Hi, so I'm listening to your podcast while I'm driving back and forth to work and loving the show. Thanks for putting it out out there. But I needed to tell you about um, my sister and her little boy. She was standing at the bottom of the stairs with, he was about three at the time, and she took his hand, and they took one or two steps, and he stopped. He turned around, and he looked up, and then looked down real slow, and then turned around and walked up the stairs with my sister. They got to the top of the steps, and he turned to my sister and said, "'Mommy, did you see that man?' Now, there was no men in the house at the time, it was just her and him. And my sister was, she said her blood just ran cold and she turned to her son and she said, what man, the one that tapped me on the shoulder? And then this little boy proceeded to um, tell my sister what he was wearing. A vest, a top hat, shoes, and brown pants and uh, that was all like the little boy wasn't afraid my nephew he wasn't afraid at all but my sister was petrified and there was always one room in the house that was cold and the dogs would bark they would just start barking for no reason and they would always go to this room that was always cold and they never saw them again. They don't live there anymore, not because of the haunting, although she was scared, but because things just started breaking around the house. And uh, they got an opportunity to move out, and they did. And my sister is glad that they moved out.
0: Thank you um, for that call. Why is it that, that it seems that it, it's children and animals more so than not that, that see these things?
1: I wonder if it's because they haven't learned to be afraid, you know? I mean, I don't know how old you start telling a child, don't be afraid of ghosts or, or to be afraid of a ghost. You know, when they're that little, they, they don't know any better.
0: Is it learning to be afraid, though? I mean, if you're afraid of something, I mean, it can still trouble you. Or or is it, are you more in tune? Are you more, I mean, because there's the, the, the thought process of, um you know you're very little you're just entering the world and if if this energy that you are was essentially something else before you know on some other plane uh are you still more in tune then to uh, to that other other plane you know
1: that could <clears throat> that could be it i just i tend to think that children are more open to the idea because they haven't been told that that's, that
0: doesn't exist, right? But does telling really make you not see that? I mean, that, that's the argument that I get confused with.
1: No, um, but you know, I mean, there are plenty of people that are grown adults that see things and then they try to use logic to talk themselves out of what they saw. Like
0: that didn't really happen, right? Over and, over and then right, you know. it, it's it's an interesting phenomenon too because you hear the the stories of um, uh, essentially where it's uh, children. Pets and elderly, too, uh, where you a lot of times you of elderly people who are seeing uh, things on the other side, especially really near death. And yeah. and again, it's another that's where I'm almost that's where my mind goes is, OK, maybe as you're on the front and the back end of the energy plane that you are going into whatever it is, coming into whatever you're coming into and then going out of whatever you're going out of, maybe you get more tuned into that.
1: Like a sliding door that hasn't closed all the way yet. Yeah,
0: exactly. And okay, now it's opening again, and now you're starting to see it. I don't know. That's just one of those things I've always wondered about. And here's another thing that this is, that call kind of came to my mind or brought to my mind. So she saw the old man with the top hat. Mm-hmm. Sounds like obviously this is a character from another another time period. Right. Obviously. Now my question is, why is it that most ghosts that we see only go back so far? You don't you don't hear of a lot of BC ghosts. You know, it, it's like, yeah, you know, in, in in some in in Britain and we've got we get calls and we get stories from uh from across the pond quite often and their ghosts tend to go back a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But again, they also there's always kind of like a cutoff point where I don't know. It's very rare to hear of a ghost like beyond 1500 or so, or where you could place where it may have come
2: from.
1: Well, I think once you get back that far, it's hard to tell. I mean, you have to really know your history to say, okay, this ghost was wearing such and such piece, so they are from the Gilded Age. Sure, you would really have to know what you're talking about. Top hats—that kind of narrows down your.
2: Yeah, but
0: I mean, you get. I think if if you look at the the History of the Earth and how long it's been around—you don't really. There's not many cavemen ghosts, you know. You don't really hear of that, or you know. Although, I, I take that back, because don't they say, like, some like of the Aztec ruins and stuff, don't they, they have hauntings? Oh, yes. Okay, well, there <laughs> And you go. we've actually
1: experienced one in uh, Mesa Verde at one time.
0: Now, how long ago was that? What, what time period?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, I just graduated high school, so this was about 14, 15 years ago. No,
0: I mean the Aztec period. When oh, was that?
1: Well, this particular tribe that I believe the quef- cliff dwellers were, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Okay. I believe. I don't take me for sure on that. I don't know. Okay. But they were there. Now, what,
0: what's your story? What happened there?
1: Well, my mom's always been extra sensitive, we'll mm-hmm. say, to energy. And um, I guess when she was a little girl, she had a n- imaginary friend who was a Native American. Mm-hmm. And when we went to Mesa Verde, we were at one of the ruins and she saw a little Native American boy. And then she turned to look at me and said, Did you see that person? And there was nobody there. And so my dad and I, being the immature ones in the group...
0: Did you see it? No, I okay. did not. Okay. But we
1: we heckled her about it. And okay. um, right after that happened, there was this strange creature. It was like a bird that kind of decided to dive bomb us. And... I swear to God, the thing stopped in midair like a hummingbird, turned around and looked back at us, and then flew off. My father and I both saw that.
0: Birds don't just stop in midair, I mean, unless it's a hummingbird.
1: And this was not a hummingbird. This thing was like a crow.
0: That's one hell of a crow. Yes. They are very talented birds, though. Yes. You are aware of this.
1: Yes. I've heard that they have the intelligence of a small child. They
0: do. There's going to be crow armies rising up here at some point. Anyhow, continue on these stories. But
1: I tend to think that that was maybe the animal spirit of whatever she saw, mm-hmm. getting back at us. And I found if you ever heckle my mom about something she saw, whether you saw it or not, something immediately will happen to you.
0: Like bad,
1: like you'll trip and fall, or a bird will try and attack you, or something. (laughs) (laughs) Something really strange. We
0: got a lot of birds around here, especially a lot of crows. So I'm not gonna heckle your mom about that. But yeah, that's interesting. But wow, birds are very the crows specifically very intelligent animals, and and you look at me very strangely when I talk about the crows. But there's actually been experiments that have been done with crows where they can use tools to get like food out of containers and vials and such. And it's like deductive reasoning and multi-step processes. It's not just like they're pecking. It's it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I saw a group of them outsmart you one day. So yes,
0: yes, they did outsmart me. (laughs) They did see, we bought a bird feeder and put it out on the deck. They oh, great. Some birds. And the thing is, you uh, attract, uh, and I'm unaware I'm not well into the the world of birds and what sort of bird feeder you need to attract songbirds alone. We got one that essentially attracted everything with wings. And uh, they all came over, the good birds and the crows. And the crows, essentially, I'm surprised four of them didn't get on the corners of this thing and just take the feeder away. Right. But they were all essentially hovering on this thing and shaking the bird feed out of it. And it just became a mess all over our deck. And I thought, all right, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after the crows so I get the BB gun out.
1: And I've had the bird feeder less than a day at this point. And yeah. my words to him were, please do not shoot a hole in my bird feeder.
0: And I thought I had a great shot because it wasn't that far away. Aim the BB gun at the crow on the bird feeder thing. I'm going to hit the crow. He's going to fall down. We got one down. The crow gets away in the split second of the BB gun firing.
1: And there's a nice through and through hole through my brand new bird feeder. Yeah.
0: Now, the fun part came in when I tried to return the bird with the bullet hole. in it.
1: The only thing that would have been better is if it had blood and feathers around the hole. <laughs>
0: yeah, but we got a new bird feeder and uh, there's no bird f- seed in it right now. No. We should probably fill that or, or move it or something. I just don't want the crows back. And I, I have been trying to shoot the crows in the yard. Yeah. I, and I, is, I wonder if crows, if that's like a bad thing to do, because they are, I don't know if their their feathers are like a, a Kevlar vest of some sort, but I swear I've hit some of these things. I've seen some feathers fly up and they just,
1: meh, meh, meh.
0: They just go right away. They're like the imbondable birds.
1: They are. Is there,
0: I'm wondering, is there anything like bad luck about shooting a crow or well, anything?
1: I don't know, unless it's um, somebody's animal form, spirit.
0: And there I am trying to kill
1: it. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, there you go. Uh, Let's go to a letter. If you have a real ghost story, you can write into us, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button, and please hit that subscribe button. This uh, letter comes into us from Carrie. Carrie writes in, I have always been sensitive to paranormal since I was a very small child. Growing up, my mom worked in nursing homes as an LPN and RN up until she retired. Of all the things I could tell you, many of my strangest experiences happened while visiting her at work one of the things that sticks out in my mind the most occurred one night while my mom was working the midnight shift she had called me to ask me to bring her something to eat i've always been a night owl so i arrived at the nursing home and brought her dinner i am lead over the nurses in the nurses station taking to her as she ate talking to her as she ate suddenly a woman in a wheelchair comes very close to almost running me over. I moved and, being polite, said, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Mom looked around and looked at me, confused. She asked who I was talking to. I said, that lady in the wheelchair. She stood up and looked over at the nurse's station and said, I don't see anyone. When I looked back, the woman was gone. However, on the wall near all of the nurse's stations were emergency stations with fire extinguishers encased in glass you could clearly see her reflection in the glass of the door covering the fire extinguisher. I pointed to it, and my mom gasped, able to see the woman too. Another event that comes to mind again occurred in the nursing home. This one, a different building. For you to understand the story, you should know that there's a common occurrence with nursing home patients called. Sundowners Sundowners is where patients with dementia get really confused and agitated, sometimes even aggressive in the evenings and at night. Again, it was the midnight shift, and I was talking to my mom and a CNA that worked with her. There was a lady with a particularly bad case of sundowner syndrome. She would scream out all night long. The screams usually consisted of, Help me! When staff would check her, she would be fine, and as soon as they would leave the room the help me screams would continue on. My mom always felt sorry for her and thought that must be a miserable existence. When she died, my mom was sad yet happy for her to be out of that mental torment. The story occurred two days after that lady passed away. We were standing at the nurse's station talking when suddenly we heard that cry, help me again. My mom and the CNA both said, oh great Mrs., and we'll leave her name out, is at it again. The death had been so recent that it took a second for it to hit them both that she was dead. The CNA began to cry and ran to the bathroom, and had actually wet herself. My mom, who had always been very open, went down to her room and told her that she had passed away, and it was time to go be with Jesus. The yelling stopped. I hope she found peace. There you go.
1: Well, I have to say the scariest Halloween I ever had was the year my mom took us trick-or-treating at the nursing home. <laughs> that's that's cruel. No. That's cruel. It was awful. It was, you didn't have a good
0: experience trick-or-treating at the nursing home? No,
1: because I have to say... Had you, you
0: ever been in a nursing home previous? Yes,
1: I had. Okay. I had. And these, these people were more near the very end. I mean they were probably the ones that were experiencing like the sundowners. They were they were not just older
0: So it was almost like a hospice care yeah. than it was a nursing home where they're getting the ice cream cart.
1: In my memory, yes it was. It okay. was it was more that um it wasn't just like visiting an assisted living. It was it was Scary.
0: Dementia patients, and yeah, yeah, that's probably not the best place to do a haunted Halloween uh, with the kids.
1: Well, we, the reason we did it, uh, growing up in Texas, you know, most of the time Halloween, you're fine temperature-wise, but we had a freak cold snap that year, and so my mom remembered that they were doing that, and so we still got the trick or treat, but that was the price we paid.
0: <laughs> so, so what was? Because my, I remember we did that one year at a. Uh, at a nursing home. And it was it was not it was beyond assisted living. It was a nursing home. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like the near death where everyone's really, you know, just lethargic and completely out of it. These were old grandmas, you know, there's probably some uh you know, Alzheimer's going on there and they were slow and they uh, they had their walkers in their wheelchair, but they were really very happy to see the kids. They were like, here you go. here." And I was—I had been used to going to nursing homes because my great-grandma was in one for the good five, six years of my life when I was a little kid, and we went to it all the time. So I was used to playing bingo with these folks. Um, so to me, it was like, oh, it's Halloween at the nursing home. But I, I did see some other kids that were like kind of disturbed because I could tell they'd never been to a nursing home.
1: And I've before. been to a nursing home before, but my memory is they were... They were hard to communicate with, and they kept wanting to like reach out.
0: No, they wanted to touch you. Yeah. Oh yeah, they wanted to touch your yeah. face and like,
1: oh, it's smooth skin. It, yes. You know, and I get that. That was probably the highlight of their day to see all these little trick or sure. treaters. But it was not the highlight of my day.
0: Yeah, I can. You, if you're a little kid, it can be probably a fairly, yeah, fairly scary, and I, I guess could be somewhat scarring experience if you're not prepared for it. You know, if, right. if that's not what you're. You know, it's it's Halloween. You're expecting to go to a door and you know not have your your face groped by an 89 year old.
1: Yeah, it's a little different.
0: It's still a little bit different. Ah, there you go. Let's go to another uh, story. If you have a real ghost story to uh, tell us, give us a call. Our phone number, toll free one eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Or just write into us at Real Ghost Stories online. I'm going to go to the website, click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button, and tell us your ghost story. This story comes to us from Zoe. Zoe writes in, I live in New Zealand, and while I do believe in the supernatural to a certain extent, part of me always either ignores it, as I usually think of a reason or natural explanation for it, or remain skeptical. Now, that being said, I'm still very timid and get scared easily. Basically, I get scared when other people tell me things since I am a visual person. It's about as good as me experiencing it personally. So my timid nature actually causes me to sleep in the same room as my parents until I was about 12. My mother believed in the paranormal and had seen, experienced, and heard things from my grandfather. So she was very tolerant. When my eldest cousin came over as an international student, she stayed at our house, and I naturally agreed to have a shared room with her. I was very happy, so even after she left, I still slept in the room, and for once was actually happy about having some privacy. It didn't last very long. About two weeks after she'd gone, at just before the break of dawn, when the room was still a sapphire blue, I heard my cousin talking to me. It was a giggly whisper and I felt a slight coldness which I dissociated with her coming in from the outside and letting in some cold air. She pretty much said in the giggly whisper, move over, I'm cold and tired, let me sleep, move over and let me get on. At that time I was barely awake and still felt the drowse of sleep lumbering at my eyes and clouding my head, so I was ready to move over and let her on the bed. So she'd let me sleep in peace, when suddenly I realized my cousin had left two weeks ago to stay at her university dorm. I felt my heart racing, but I still felt incredibly drowsy, drowsier than even before, and I came to the realization that it couldn't have been my cousin. Barely able to open my eyes with no voice, or maybe I was just and literally felt too sleepy to move. The whole time, this voice was still telling me to move over and trying to climb into bed. I was terrified, but at the same time, extremely sleepy, and it terrified me that I was slowly going back into sleep. With my heart still pounding and my dread of sleeping, knowing that something might be there, made me force myself to reach the lamp switch on my desk next to my bed, double bed, and I slept in the middle with my cousin. And when they were, o- were over, we had bunk-, bunk beds, also part of how I realized it could have not been my cousin. The distance was about an arm's length. But I had a lot of problems reaching it because my arm just felt like it was carrying 100 pounds of extra weight as well as the fact that I still felt very drowsy as if I'd been drugged but somehow I managed to turn on the light the moment I turned the light on all that drowsiness just went away and in, 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 in an instant I could move normally and of course no one was in the room I didn't want to disturb my parents because it was around 5 a.m. but I couldn't get back to sleep after that and just sat in my bed until the others were up That night, I went back to my sleeping arrangements in my parents' room. Now, some people told me I probably dreamed it, which is what I'd hoped it to be, but just the fact that the moment I turned on the light and everything stopped and the way she'd said it, or I'd heard her in the cold air, I can't quite believe that it was only me dreaming. That house, which has happened to me, and some other things happened too, but it didn't happen to me, or at least not to the scale of this event. My mom never liked the house, and we've been told by some mediums that she was sensitive, so I'd attributed it to the house. However, as time passed, and I experienced more things, and heard more things, which I might share in another story, I have come to some conclusion that it might have not been just the house, but actually something attributed attached to us from my mother's heritage. This is also the point I'd like to make. When I hear my cousin talk to me, she didn't speak in English. Or in Mandarin, this was one reason why I'd think it might have been a dream, or that it was attached to us personally. Because in New Zealand, the official languages are English and Maori. So, if it was attributed to the house, then she shouldn't. Then shouldn't my cousin have spoken in English? But one thing was for sure: if she did speak in English, I would definitely have realized that it wasn't her much sooner. Or can spirits mimic other languages? Too.
1: I don't know I Because the not cousin's not that. dead right? No, the, uh, from and my it, understanding It's not, she's just been gone
0: Away, yeah It's interesting because I'd heard uh, I don't know if it was on this show Or if it was something I'd seen on TV recently Where um, there was uh, Talk of Spirits, essentially um, Being You essentially being able to be a ghost When you're alive That there's cases of people seeing uh, an entity uh, that is you or looks like you at least and has your energy and mannerisms and voice Um, and a lot of times it happens when when the individual is sleeping uh, going to other uh, it's typically in other parts of a home and communicating with other people in in that house and the person's not dead
1: but they just have that much energy that it can split off. It's
0: almost as if that energy for some, it's like almost out of body experience, if you will. Okay. That, And it's not that that individual is the one that's that's coming back and telling this story of, oh, I went off and talked to Cousin Susie down the hall. Sure. It's Cousin Susie saying that they saw Uncle Bert show up in the middle of the night, and they had a conversation, and Uncle Bert has no recollection of this whatsoever. But from what... You know, little Susie can think and sees it. It was clearly Uncle Bert that was talking, but Uncle Bert's alive and just down the hall.
1: And, and it's not just a case of sleepwalking.
0: No, no, okay. it's a case of where, like the, it, it's literally an apparition, and wow. it's there, and it you know, walks through a wall or something.
1: I've never heard of it. So that. It's, it's
0: been confirmed. So the stories tend to confirm that, in one way or another, that indeed it wasn't. You know, Uncle Bert walking down the hall talking, because mm-hmm. it, it did something like we're it just it disappeared or walked through the wall or something of that nature. Okay, that's a troubling one because it, it's interesting on the aspect of a, wondering can that happen,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or is that some sort of you know demonic entity or something that's mimicking
1: something that was comforting? Yeah,
0: a trust a trusted source, sure. you know, a trusted individual. You know, but but the thing is with a lot of the stories that I've heard surrounding cases like that, they don't really do anything bad. And it's not necessarily being a negative force Mm -hmm. or not even necessarily interacting sometimes with the other individual. Sometimes it's just, oh, they saw Uncle Bert walking down the hall uh, and brushing his teeth or something, you know, or, or, or just going through some sort of nonsensical action that you know really doesn't pertain to anything other than there's the energy and the person walking on the hall but they're down the other hall for real
1: Wow I've, I've never heard of that before that's
0: an interesting one if, yeah. if anyone has more stories about that area of things I'd love to hear them we can maybe do a whole show on that topic there's got to be probably a, a name for that I don't know what that would be but I've, I've heard a couple stories of that nature before Phone number to call if you have a real ghost story uh, is 1-855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Or you can always write into us, realghoststoriesonline.com, and click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. And please subscribe to the show. And if you're listening to us on I excuse me, an iTunes or Stitcher or wherever the case may be. Uh, give us some stars. Give us a little bit of a review. That would be very, very helpful. And uh, it helps us grow the show, helps more people know about it, and helps us get more good ghost stories to share with you every single week. Let's go to another letter that was written into us. This one comes into us from Stephanie. Stephanie writes in, When I was 13 years old, I went on vacation to Columbia with my parents to see my family. The house that we were going to stay in was very old, and my aunt's husband's parents owned it before us and passed it on to them. It was a big two-story house, and the room I was staying in was downstairs with my cousin at the time who was 12 years old. One night, I woke up, and I was extremely thirsty, so I decided to get a drink of water in the kitchen that was right across from my room. When I reached for the cup, I noticed a figure on the corner of my eye on my left side. At first, I thought it was my grandma, since she woke up really early, almost every night, and when the figure got closer, I realized it wasn't my grandma. All I could see was a gray silhouette with a white, long T-shirt. I tried to make out the face, and that's when I realized that I was looking at something that was not human, but a ghost. I was so frightened, but for some reason, my first reaction was to throw the glass cup at the figure. What freaked me out more was that the cup went right through the figure and shattered all over the floor. I never in my life ran so quickly. I reached up the stairs and threw myself on top of my parents. I know I scared my parents because the first thing they asked me was, why are you so cold? I was shaking and somehow I was able to tell them what I just saw. My dad has also seen strange things in his time, so he believed me. He told me to come with him downstairs, and I was frightened, but I decided to go, since my dad would be holding my hand. When we went downstairs, there was nothing, or no one, to be seen. But then I saw something that scared me even more. The empty glass cup that I threw at the figure was on top of the counter, half full with water. I ran upstairs and tried to fall asleep, although I was terrified. The next morning, I woke up and went downstairs, where everyone was when everyone was eating breakfast. My dad had already told everyone what I experienced, and I asked everyone if they had heard a glass break last night. My aunt told me that her husband's father died of a heart attack one night in the house while getting up in the middle of the night for a drink of water just as I did the night before. At that moment, I realized that the ghost I saw was him. A few days later, my family and I were eating dinner in the dining room when my father said, Who's that old man sitting outside on the backyard bench? Everyone turned around and said there was nothing there. But when I looked, I saw the man my father was speaking of. He had a hat on and was staring at an old tree they had in the backyard. I told my father I saw him and we both decided to go outside. When we did, the old man was gone. But for some reason, I felt like walking up to the old tree. And then I saw a heart carved into the wood with an E and A in the middle. I went inside and asked my aunt's husband whose initials those were. And he told me that his parents carved their initials in the tree when they moved in right after they got married. I was still a bit shocked about what I saw, but at the same time a bit relieved that it was just a family member. That's my story. Thanks.
1: You know, one thing I'm noticing from the stories tonight are a lot of them are saying that I have a family member who's also sensitive, or I have a parent who's also sensitive,
0: you think it's something that, that is uh, is genetic, that's passed along?
1: Well, I'm wondering that. I mean, because I'll, I'll be right in that boat and say, you know, my mom is much more sensitive than I am. But there have been times where I have felt things as well. Or I know that she's felt them much more. And so it makes me wonder if that is some kind of genetic link there.
0: Where you can be more sensitive to one thing or the other. and And that's... It's one thing to be sensitive, and I think it's a like a whole other level of it when you can actually see the figures, sure. too. You know, that's that's really what's kind of interesting to me when you know some some folks will walk into a, a place with you know, documented hauntings and have absolutely nothing strange happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, but right across the hall, they're hearing parties outside the door, and there's weird things going on, and. That the other party doesn't, or one person hears what the other person doesn't, and one person sees the people in the hall, the other person doesn't. So, that's something I, I, I'm wondering if it is if it's genetic. Is that all it is? Is that something that you cannot you can't learn essentially to see ghosts? No. No matter how much you want to.
1: Right. I know some of us really, really want to, and then some of us do, and it's not much fun.
0: Sure. But then you have to wonder: Can you only see? If you are sensitive to it can can certain people see certain types of ghosts and other people see other types of ghosts like or are there certain type of ghosts that can make themselves known to everyone and people who are sensitive, are only gonna pick up on maybe the good ones.
1: See, I think paranormal can happen to anybody. I think anybody can see a ghost or have uh, an event happen to them. But when I say sensitive, I mean like you go into a place and you get a bad feeling for one reason or another. And there's nothing that you're seeing, there's nothing you know, happening, no things are flying off the wall, but Mm -hmm. you just have this overwhelming feeling. It's almost like an energy that you're picking up on. And then, you know, you can either find out what happened there or, you know, or choose not to.
0: Which is like where where you sometimes have the sensitives who will walk around a crime scene and be able to say, okay, I can tell so-and-so did this here or that there. That's more sensitive than necessarily someone seeing a ghost uh, with their, you know, with their eyes.
1: And it's not quite to the point of being a full medium, you know, Mm -hmm. where you can tell what's going on. But you can just get feel, or the hair will stand up on your arms. I I have to say, my mom and I were both completely creeped out when we went to New York, and we actually went to Ellis Island, and that was one of the strongest energy places I've ever been.
0: And that's interesting, because did a lot of people die on Ellis Island?
1: I don't think a lot of people died on Ellis Island, but you have to think about all the energy of people either being excited that they've arrived, or Uh the the dread of whoever didn't make it across on the voyage. Somebody sure. didn't survive or the family members left behind. You know, there's a lot of mixed feelings going on yeah. when you flee and you, or you're starting a new life over.
0: What happened with because maybe I'm wrong about this and I'm, someone can I'm sure correct me or tell me the factual history on this, but at Ellis Island when you got over if you were disease free you're in. Wasn't there like a holding facility for diseased individuals where they didn't want to integrate them into the rest of the world or into the rest of the country where they held them in some essentially like wards until either they got better or died?
1: I I don't know that for sure. And I don't remember when I took the tour of seeing any facility like that. Um, I do know that there were some that were sent back, you know, and that's a whole nother source of dread.
0: It's one of those places where it's interesting to contemplate of why that would be a haunted place. But you're right. There's a lot of energy there. It, it, it's almost like somewhat, I guess, like uh, like a cemetery where there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of emotions that are, are taking place in a cemetery, especially with the living who are uh, mourning the, the loss of, of someone. And But those living people get on and they move on just like Alice Island. Sure. You know, you may be mourning, you may be going through those emotions, but you get on and they moved on. But those emotions were expelled in that one place. Yeah. So, is that energy somehow lingering and doing things? Because, I almost think if you're going to haunt a place, you have the mindset of, okay, either you're going to be haunting a geographic area where you spent a lot of time or you have loved ones at, um, you know, or uh, right where you died. I guess if you're stuck to a certain area, a lot of people don't die in cemeteries, no. and, and a lot of people don't spend a lot of time in cemeteries, other than me. Yeah,
2: you know, and other that's people true. who
0: enjoy wandering around cemeteries. I'll, I, will i would be one of the people who be haunting a cemetery because I enjoy the cemetery. But a lot of people, it's not the place. But you have a lot of people who go, and that's the first thing you think of is haunted cemetery.
1: And and see, I don't get that. I think people would probably go back and be someplace that was significant during their life sure you know some place that was either a source of happiness or some place maybe that they were killed at and they're unfinished and they are you know looking for a way back
0: are you trapped around the area where you die where you die if it was like you know unforeseen death that's an interesting.
1: Well, I don't know. You hear a lot about, you know, a tragic death, and they say it's haunted, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And then they, the, the entities stay there. Oh, the questions that the show brings up. And then, of course, <laughs> no answers ever to be found. If you have a real ghost story, please call in 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. We would love to hear it, of course, right in on our website, at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online, click that "Tell Us Your Ghost Story" button, and we would love to hear it. And if uh, you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please uh, give us some stars. That helps us grow. It helps us uh, do really good in the ratings. Uh, as of this recording, uh, we uh, we're in the top five in the Natural Sciences section, which is awesome. Yes. So thank you very much for for the support there, uh, and uh, cracking the uh, the top two fifty of uh, all podcasts. That exists on the uh, on the planet, so that's uh, that's pretty exciting. That means there's a lot of people listening to the show, and there is quite a few. We have uh, thousands of listeners uh, to every episode. So, thank you so much. Keep up the support, and we'll keep doing the shows for you here at Real Ghost Stories online. Until next time, Tony and Jenny Bruski, Take care.